0: On this week's episode of Destination Linux, we're going to talk about snaps. Do they deserve the hate they receive, or is it time to reconsider our hatred? That's a question that everyone wants to know. They want to know, and we're going to answer it in this episode. Welcome to episode number 355 of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Ryan. I'm Michael.
1: And I'm Jill.
0: And we're also going to cover a new operating system that claims its kernel is three times better than Linux. No way. <laughs> yes. Uh-uh. Yes way. That's what it says, Jill. Don't uh-uh yet. <laughs> You're going to be shocked at this news. Now let's get this show on the road toward
2: Destination Linux. Or Destination whatever that next kernel is.
0: Our feedback this week comes from Stefan. He says it's a great joy to listen to your show
2: every single week. Thank you, appreciate thank that. You. <laughs> and he didn't just say especially Jill, which I appreciate. That is very nice. We appreciate yeah. that much, much yeah. more. You, I mean, t- not much more. We appreciate that. <laughs> you know, aw. he said you three really
0: drive the show perfectly with oh, a lot you, of you. fun yeah. and interesting talk. All of us, Michael, together. We are all included. Yeah. That's Thanks, great. Stephan. You know, we're going to spend some time on Stefan's email because yeah. he's
2: special. Yeah, let's do that.
0: He said, I came across the following post from Gnome Dev on Mastodon about searching people with expertise in TTS to improve the default TTS experience on the Gnome desktop. Although I'm not visually impaired, I found the discussion around it very interesting because I do work a lot on the PC and have problems with dry eyes and unclear vision after a long time staring at all the luminous pi- pixels. So sometimes I dream of a more natural conversational audio-based interaction with my PC, but the current eSpeak-based implementation of this is really not working for me at all. I tried it out. It apparently just reads out what we can see on the screen, e.g. there is a list with XX items, and most of the time I couldn't even acoustically understand anything. I know you previously praised eSpeak on the show, and accessibility is a major concern for you as well. So I'd like you to join the conversation and hear you especially but not exclusively jill's point of view on this matter
2: i like and Stephen's to be clear He's long they put in left. in the parentheses stefan did put not exclusively jills
0: yeah that's amazing <laughs> that's amazing specifically what is important to consider when they rework tts on gnome how does the ideal audio-based ui look sound like what are the advantages of the current implementations that shouldn't change and where can current implementations be improved Could modern neural network-based TTS technology satisfy the need of those who really need TTS on the desktop? It would be great to hear from you on this matter. With greetings from Far East, Stefan. Thank you so much, Stefan, for the email.
2: Really, Absolutely. And also, just real quick, for those who don't know, TTS means text-to-speech.
0: There you go. That would have been a good thing for me to clarify right up front, but thank you it for doing that, Mike. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, no, but I really appreciate, Stefan you joining in on the conversation. I think that if we're being honest with ourselves, and, you know, on this show, we don't whisper sweet nothings in your ear. Uh, this is one of the critical flaws of open source software, specifically Linux right now, is this accessibility. Like, it's a critical flaw. And in open source, you know, the entire idea is to invite anyone and everyone from around the world to get involved in the software. And it stinks that we're the ones so far behind in accessibility. Uh, While we do praise the options that exist that you've heard us talk about on the show, it really is kind of more something of like, well, I guess something's better than nothing kind of praise. like That's true. Yeah, we got eSpeak, but is it where it should be? Not at all. And then I think... About what's coming when you look at Copilot and things Microsoft are working on, and we can all make fun of where some of these projects are today. But when you look at their vision of where they're going with these things, uh, and you talk about what these virtual assistants can become when powered by uh, things like the GPT backend and stuff, is going to completely change the way people interface with their computers. And is Linux and open source prepared? For this with the tools that we have today, because utilizing these natural language models and other things, other other things like adding natural speech into there can really transform accessibility in of itself. Just implementing those technologies, um, a, a lot of places are looking to utilize these as kind of your new uh Phone IVR systems. So when you call Mm -hmm. into a business, you've got this natural speaking robotic voice that's talking back and forth with you, or not robotic voice, sorry, natural human voice talking back and forth with you and actually kind of having a conversation. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of work to be done here, but I think we're so far behind that while your questions I think are really good ones we don't even have good documentation with distros out there for accessibility by default. Like our documentation is trash. So much so that I've gone out there and written
2: documentation for and an open that's OS a good example if he's doing it. I mean. Yeah, because it's like <laughs> nobody does it, right? It's but just- also, here's the thing. I have a theory about why accessibility is not that great on Linux. And I think it's because the open source philosophy, while is amazing and fantastic, it relies on someone doing something in their spare time as a volunteer and they just want to do it and the downside of that is that people are not even thinking about this particular issue because a lot of the people who are making the software aren't dealing impacted. with that issue yeah. yeah they're not impacted by it so they're not even considering it it's like not to I mean I know this is like the Texas beach and the vis- like visibility is not a I'm not making this as a pun I'm just it's just the, it's the phrase out of sight, out of mind, and the concept of like you're not thinking about it, you're not going to even attempt it. And then there's a lot of cases where you know previously we would do distro reviews and we would cover all the basis and do our review, and we do very in depth. We even get comments on our YouTube channel and on our forum about how how in depth we go. And then we started getting comments about maybe we could cover accessibility, and we hadn't thought of that at the time because. You know, Ryan and I, for example, we never even look at those kinds of things. And Jill mentions it in the reviews for her, but we never took the time to try it for ourselves. And then we started trying to do it. That's when we saw all these issues. And I think if these projects had more development time and more people, and maybe even just like some kind of funding, that's when that's where we need to be for accessibility to, you know, become a competitive space like next to Windows and Mac and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it shouldn't really even be an option, right? If you're going to develop a distro for the masses, you're not releasing one for just your best friends or whatever, then accessibility needs to be as functional as the thing booting. Like, it needs to be a part of the process. And, you know, Windows and Mac OS and Chrome OS, for that matter, from the install have desktop voice to text options right from the start. So if you've ever had a Windows machine, you installed Windows and you let it sit there for a minute because you had to go grab something, you'll hear it start talking to you. And it starts reading the screen off to you. And then it gives you the option to turn that
2: off. macOS is the same way and so is Chrome OS. Which is a really good idea because mm-hmm. if a person can't see it, they're giving you time to react to it or interact with it. And if you're not interacting with it, you might not know it's ready. So then it tells you it's ready. I didn't know it did that. Because I've never Mm. gone through that. I haven't installed Windows in so long. I think the last time I did it was (laughs) Windows 7. And uh, that is a very interesting way of doing it because they took the time to consider that as a factor.
0: Right. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily, it's, it's not something Windows or Mac or Chrome had to do right? They didn't have to do that. And it takes a lot of development and things to add it, mm-hmm. but they did. And that makes more people able to be a part of that ecosystem. And these things are not a separate suite of packages that you have to install later. And so even when we talk about improving some of the things for GNOME, you know, number one, it should not be a separate package. Somebody has to go install to get accessibility on their computer because that kind of ruins it for a lot of people Agreed. with, with yeah. different abilities. And so then the other thing is, um, you know, these apps that do get developed, maybe there is a standard set of suite of, sorry, a standard set of software that we install on every Linux machine that's installed by default uh, or distro. Those need to to You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> those need to be compatible across the board, right? Whether uh, you're utilizing absolutely. Arch or you're utilizing OpenSUSE or whatever, uh, it should be there. And then, To do that, you know, because you laughed about the standard, really we need a foundation approach, right? Somebody who sets the standards and say, hey, we're going to work with the developers. Here's what they need to enable. These are the options that they need to have bare minimum. Um, And anything less really shouldn't
2: be accepted by
0: the community. And then, Anything less would
2: be uncivilized. It would be.
0: And the more advanced use cases where we can leverage uh, AI and machine learning to help identify what's on the screen uh, is also worth exploring. But Until we get the basics down, like until Gnome comes and just has the very basics covered, uh, we've got a long way to go before we're even talking about enhancing
2: what's there even further. That's true. I'd also say that the standardization of this is very important, but also it's possible. Because I know a lot of people don't like System D to the point where they will yell and comment about it and stuff like that nah, and say they'll never B. use it they'll never use it and all that and that's fine but the vast majority of distributions are using System D by default now so it is possible even if there's not an intent to be a standard it is possible to become one at least to that degree and i think this is something that should exist for every distro and i think most distros would be happy to include this i use system c so
0: very different that way
2: I see what
1: you did there. <laughs> so use the alpha version.
0: Yeah, exactly. Is that, was that the alpha version? So I yeah. sound smart. Sweet. Yeah. Yes, I use the alpha version of System D.
1: So, so Stephen, I had so many thoughts of fr- from your email, and I can't answer ev- everything today, but I'll, I'll answer a few of them, of course. And thank you so much for writing in, you know, with such thoughtful prose and, and really great questions. Yeah, eSpeak is actually a very old school r- robotic. And I o- honestly, myself, I just adjust the speed and the pitch of the voice to improve it when I'm in the command line. So that does help me a lot. And, you know, because I've been using robotic sounding text to speech apps for so many years, I'm just used to their shortcomings. <laughs> myself and have adjusted my expectations to accommodate, especially with the open source options where uh, like Michael and Ryan were saying, you know, it's, it's just someone's volunteer project.
2: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it is great that those people are doing it,
1: but uh, it
2: it is kind of sad that you have to uh, adjust expectations.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, and unfortunately not every accessibility app will work for all people because we have our own individual needs and levels of challenges. Like I'm half blind, but so what I do doesn't work for someone who's full blind. So um, there's just so many options out there. And I just wanted to touch a little bit on ESpeak NG and a little bit about its background. ESpeak NG or ESpeak Next Generation is actually the continuation of the ESpeak project. And it is used in the backend of many popular text-to-speech algorithms like Gnome's Orca. And the Gnome screen reader is easy to find in the top menu bar and can be accessed via keyboard using command super alt S. That, and because of its small size, customizability and many languages supported, eSpeak NG is ideal and Included, in fact, in the NVDA open source screen reader for Windows, as well as Android, Ubuntu, and other Linux distros. So it it is it is one of the best options for open source because of its size and customizability. And but much improvement is needed, like a more natural voice option, like you were talking about. They could use my
0: voice. Yeah, (laughs) my voice is so pleasant.
1: And, and the yeah. one of the the cool things that happened that um, I we've talked about here on the very <laughs>
2: on
1: on DL's last November, Gnome received a one million euro investment from the Sovereign Tech Fund, and they are using this money to improve accessibility on the Gnome desktop.
0: Yeah, mad props which is awesome. GNOME yeah. for doing yeah. that, <laughs> that uh, awesome. and for the person who the Sovereign Tech Fund that donated the million dollars to do this, but. Oh, uh, yeah. I think we need a lot more and this could be yeah. a a community driven thing where we could get the entire Linux community to invest money into a go fund me or fund or something to really improve this technology but we there's going to need to be way more than just even though it sounds like a lot a million dollars in development world yeah. is almost nothing.
1: It isn't. And no. and
0: so I Again, huge props to Sovereign Tech Fund. Amazing. Gnome, amazing that they're they're tackling this and so many people are ignoring it. Uh, but so much more needs to be done here.
1: I feel oh, like. yeah. Um, there needs to be, like we've been talking about, a unified text-to-speech app that works across all the Linux desktops and all the Linux distros. Okay. That is key. To me, That that is when... Linux will be <laughs> up, um, compared to Mac OS and uh, Windows when it comes to accessibility, when that happens. Yep. And, you know, the, the best open source natural voice app I've heard so far is actually Mimic, which is the speech synthesizer for the Mycroft open source mm, virtual assistant. It's, cool to
0: repurpose that.
1: Nails it. It's a, yeah. a really, really good one. And maybe the GNOME Foundation or the eSpeak app can work with the Mycroft developers to improve speech synthesis. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that would be really cool. Also, of all things, Microsoft Edge has a really nice natural voice reader, but it is disa- disabled on Linux.
2: Of course, it is.
0: So
1: please enable this Microsoft. That would help.
2: Come on, Microsoft, the Linux you users heart users Linux. Yeah, yeah, you heart Linux, Microsoft, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Right. Right. And
1: Mozilla. Actually they'll probably put have... it in there,
2: but you have to agree to the telemetry or something.
1: Oh yeah, yeah they'll. Yeah, they'll probably have a page of things you have to agree yeah. with. And Mozilla has a really nice TTS speech engine as well. And that would be a good way to utilize that.
0: There you go. That'd be pretty <laughs> On the cool.
1: desktop, yeah.
0: So a very... Awesome topic, Stefan, one that I think, you know, when we're being honest with ourselves, Linux is, this is an area where Linux is very far behind. It's really not excusable. And hopefully a lot of the work being done by Gnome and others will kind of set the stage and standard for others. Um, But a a discussion that needs to keep happening. So thank you for bringing it up. And, you know, to the community out there, this is why we love your questions. You want to participate, help out the show, send in your questions. We get awesome comments like that to get us thinking and really considering what things we should be covering and also get to know you a little bit, especially when you have a question for all three of us and mm-hmm. not just especially, yes. especially then, especially, yeah, especially then. then. Oh, thank you everyone for your questions.
2: Especially when, all especially Jill. Thank you for your question, Jill. Uh, also, <laughs> yes, you don't have a question. We're just thanking Jill for being Jill. Yeah, Thank you, Jill, for being you.
1: I'm just here for that podcast thing we do. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> Love that shirt. No, when you go through an airport security, there's uh, one line where you go through to check the TSA uh, getting your ID checking. And then there's the other line where a machine scans your bag. And mm. then if you're lucky, that's all the lines you have. But sometimes there's a few more. But the same thing happens in enterprise security too. And by in- the same thing, I mean there's multiple levels of checks. Not for passengers and luggage, but for end users and their devices. And
0: And, wow, comparing this to an airport is interesting because being in corporate America for so many years, uh, TSA is extraordinarily frustrating, probably the worst part of travel. And uh, corporate security is also the worst part about being a corporation. So I I see how those two connect
2: there perfectly. And also it might connect a little level, but at the point where, you know, the people who are the TSA agents are dealing with the stuff that's very frustrating because they're dealing with thousands of people who are doing it wrong and not prepared for certain things at certain times. And then you have the security team who are dealing with people who don't know how to use their devices sometimes And, you know, wide variety of things. But, you know, these days, most companies are good at the first part of checking user identity. They have some kind of solution there. But user devices, well, that isn't always the case. Because sometimes they could just roll right through the authentication process without getting inspected at all. Like sometimes your bags might not get inspected at all. Uh, In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its t- firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months like Ryan takes forever to update stuff. Wait, what you know? I yeah. update all the time.
0: What are you talking oh, about? Oh, that was me.
2: That's that you. Me. That's you. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's
1: you wouldn't Michael be trusted. Tr- you
2: shouldn't be trusted. That's the problem. All these other people, they're like No, no, no. I update the stuff that I need and to they, to connect to like, stuff like this. Just, you know.
0: They need, all the corporations need to kick Michael off their network immediately because he's untrusted and <laughs> unauthenticated. Uh, this,
2: this system is up to date. I just want to verify <laughs> right, that, that, that you know, there. that's no but longer a problem. Think about
0: all the apps and things people put on their personal devices. And so many businesses, Oh yeah, they require you to utilize your personal device as kind of your 2FA and also your security to get into your VPN for your business. And on top of that, they've got TikTok and Facebook and any other random
2: scanning apps. Or app just, yeah, just drag. weird random apps they download that yeah. have like tons of ads or, you know, some kind of coupon app or something, you know? Yep. And, and then
0: these apps request permissions, like, give me permission to your network. Give me permission to search your network stuff. Give me
2: permission. And the corporations... Give me permission to your uh, your location for some reason.
0: Yeah, and the corporations are all... Their data is going to get zapped up in that app just like anybody else's if there's nothing
2: to stop it. But luckily, there is something to stop it, and that's called Collide. Because Collide solves the device trust problem. They in- ensure that, that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet contractor devices, and the BYOD or bring your own device stuff like phones and laptops in your company. So you can have it And the best part about Collide is that if they find an issue, you don't have to tell the person to contact security team. They can actually explain to them what they needed to do to fix the authentication problem, which is fantastic because it saves your team time for working on everybody's device, and it also makes it possible for if someone hits a hiccup, like a roadblock, they can get past it, which is very important. So visit DestinationLinux.net slash Collide to watch a demo and to see how it works. That's DestinationLinux.net slash K-O-L-I-D-E.
0: So we talked about people exploring Linux and been around for Linux a while, but even if you've not been in Linux for, I don't know, maybe more than two or three weeks, you're probably going to run across somebody out there who has something negative to say about snap packages. Ah, snaps. Ah, snap. Now, oftentimes in the community, there are things that are initially bad. I've noticed, I've mentioned this on the show before, Michael's actually finally come around to my side of the bridge on this matter, Uh uh, where people think things are initially bad
2: but they never go back to kind of reconsider, has it changed? Whoa, enough? whoa, whoa, that's ridiculous. There's no way that something can improve over time just because you put effort and work into it. That, no. Why would that happen? So in Linux, it kind of
0: becomes forever bad. Like, you know, if somebody has a critique on Ubuntu and they did something silly, then they're like, they become forever bad company. And and 10 years later, it's still the same problem, even bad. though that code has not been in the system for yeah, In years. Because I still hear the Amazon thing come up every now and then. I'm like, mm-hmm. and most people probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Let's leave it that way. why do I even bring it up? Dang it, I did it. Now people are gonna talk about
2: the Amazon thing. All well, right. Well, don't worry because it's not a problem. It hasn't been one for years. And for the people who don't know what it means, don't worry. It's not been there and it's not a big it wasn't even a big deal for a long time, but for like six months, people lost their minds. So yeah. that's that's the yeah, detail. Absolutely. Uh, Pepperidge Farms remembers. Farms <laughs> we're going to take
0: a look at Snaps today under the same umbrella of saying, hey, even on this show, we've had some critiques of Snaps. There are some issues that we're like, eh, there's a problem there. But I want to go back and look at it now and see. Whoa,
2: whoa, whoa. We're going to actually readdress something to make sure that our information is up to date. It's weird. I know. What, sh- what show is this? I didn't sign up for that. <laughs> well, I signed up for just saying random things at random times. I would say it's destination
0: Linux, Michael, but based on the next thing we're gonna cover, which who is knows? three times more efficient than Linux, then we it might could be destination the name.
2: something else. Who knows? Something exactly. Else. Yeah.
0: Uh before we get into this, there may be some new users who are asking, well, what are snaps? So You know, Linux is blessed with choices. That's one of the cool, unique things about Linux. However, choice means there are a lot of different package types and repositories as well that come with all of those choices. Uh, So depending on what distro you choose, you're going to have different package manager that you're going to have to contend with. And that's a nightmare for developers because of software compatibility with Linux. So uh, if you choose, say, DEB as the way you're going to distribute your particular piece of software, and then people will say, well, I want an RPM. I use Fedora. And if they choose RPM, people will say, well, why'd you do that? I use Pac-Man or I use Portage or I use something else. So there's all of these different packages. It's a nightmare for developers and you can't just convert them easily because of different dependencies, different versions of packages on each distro. It's a mess. It's a freaking mess. And it's been a freaking mess for a very long time.
2: Yes. And also it gets worse. Much worse than that, actually, because I have some experience making software. Now, I wasn't the developer. I was more like a project lead type. And I saw firsthand how bad it truly is. And when Snaps were announced and Flatpaks were announced and all that sort of stuff was announced, I was super excited because of how much of a mess this is. Because you were talking, Ryan, about Debs versus RPMs being a mess. Mm-hmm. But did you know that Deb versus Deb is a mess? No. So there are differences between <laughs> Debian and Debs and Ubuntu Debs. So just because you have a DEB does not mean it's going to work. But also, some people will be like, well, that's because Ubuntu changed some stuff. Actually, that's not the the case. It's not because Ubuntu made some drastic changes. That's just how the package format works. In fact, it gets worse because DEB packages made for Ubuntu 23.10 has no guarantee to work on Ubuntu 24.04, the next LTS. And you might be thinking, well, how is that the case? Well, it turns out that some cases, depending on the complexity of the app and which dependency it's using and how many dependencies, you might have to make a different DEB for each version of the exact same distribution and then have to do it for other distributions as well. And then, let, then you not, and that's just DEBs we're talking about. Then go into the RPMs and you have Fedora RPMs and OpenSUSE RPMs, not necessarily compatible. You can technically make stuff that is sort of compatible, but you're—it's a mess. Is man, what I'm saying. This deb discussion is nothing to dab about. You know, nothing to deb about. I like dab it. About, yes, I <laughs> know you said dab about it. Uh, be, I, I kind of wish you you said like we shouldn't deb about this. You know, oh,
1: but, man. <laughs> you, you, you dab really good. Actually.
2: Yeah, you dab I really think good you there, stuff. Michael. That good.
0: So this is where. Uh, the problem became large enough that eventually universal apps technology was created. And the idea is to take applications, bundle it with all of its dependencies so it can work across various distros. And everyone cheers. Ah, yay. Mm-hmm. And we're all yes! excited. There's no downsides to this. There's yes! none. It fixed
2: everything. <laughs> uh, also, real quick, for those that don't know, a dependency is a package that another app depends on to work. And here's where the fun part gets there are dependencies of dependencies of dependencies and the tree just grows forever. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes.
0: Yep. Now, you can install an app and it doesn't matter with these universal things what certain package you have that the app relies on because it's going to bundle it all together in this universal solution. But we don't just have one universal solution because it's Linux. Mm. We got to have like four of them. So we got flat packs, Snaps, app images, and there's others out there as well. There's others.
2: Those are the most popular three, but there are others as well.
0: So within the community, you'll find varying critiques for each of these. Like none of them are free from critiques and rightfully so. I mean, it's
2: good that we critique these things. Nothing's perfect. so And And also we were making a joke about how this is like solving the problem and we're all done. They are actually very good solutions to this problem. Before these were made, it was a lot worse to get applications made for Linux. Now, we're seeing a lot of different applications being made, regardless of which one they pick. I I don't care which one they pick personally, as long as they pick one of them so we can have the software.
0: Yeah. And Snaps specifically are the solution developed by Canonical for Ubuntu. So that's where Snaps come in. So now, if you're new listening, you're all caught up. Now you know what's going on Mm -hmm. and what we're doing here. But... Snaps are probably the most criticized of all of the universal packages, so those are the ones we're going to talk about here. And as well, one of our patrons, Chris said, loudly. "Let's deb eight these critiques. Deb eight. Oh, deb eight. nice,
1: Chris.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, nice. To see, also they, just to be like knowledge. extra special, we can do it D- deb and then the number eight, leap hacksaw type of D- stuff eight. right there.
1: Yes.
0: So the critiques that you commonly hear with snaps are. And we'll get into each of these individually. I'm just going to list them off so you kind of hear them at first. They're slow to start up. They're being forced down users' throats as Ubuntu moves more of its packages to snap only. Uh, proprietary backend. Canonical controls the server for distribution. They have God mode all to themselves. Uh, forced updates. And they take up more space than regular packages. So and again,
2: these are things that people have said. This is not Ryan's opinion. of no. just saying. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. Because...
0: You know, an email was about to come in and be like, "I disagree." That's, free why, that's with why I Ryan, preempted it. <laughs> who said that all of these things about snaps? Okay, so these are the critiques I found. I went online. I actually searched through all these forums. Reddit, Plus Plus, we've got tons of emails ourselves of people critiquing various things, and we've had some of these critiques over uh, time with snaps. So um, some of them are fair, uh, or were fair, I should say. At some point, they were for sure. Yeah. So are they still valid in 2024, though? You believe we're in 2024? We're supposed to have like skateboards
2: that float. And I remember 2015 where the hoverboard was made. Because if you look, I'm pretty sure 2015 was the year in Back to the Future that they said that that was going to happen. And now Every other post I see
0: or meme has a different year for when that was supposed to happen. So I have to watch the movie and see what the real year yeah, actually is. I'm was.
2: pretty sure it's 2015. I could be remembering incorrectly, but I'm yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm more sure than not. So let's say 51% sure. And <laughs> <laughs> It's not your prediction, though. It's not, prediction. It's not my prediction at all. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not at all, all right. predicting that. But let's talk about what the uh, these critiques one by one and see are they still a problem here in 2024? So let's start off with the uh, thing you mentioned earlier, which is slow to start and mm-hmm. one of the most common complaints about snaps. Yep. And this is good because the change is that it's not true anymore. It was actually true in the very beginning. There were times where an application take, could take up to 15 to 20 seconds to open. And that was very annoying. It felt like we went back in time by 20 years back to the future, and we're dealing with stuff from the 90s and dial-up kind of stuff. It's like AOL, uh, where it's slowly loading the picture. Exactly. So we're now at a situation where the snaps are update are opening much faster and to the point where you're not really noticing these things anymore. Now, there are some applications, depending on how complex they are, where they might take a bit of time still. But for the most part, that's not an issue anymore.
1: Yeah, and, and one of the things that happens is, yeah, they'll, they'll be slow sometimes the first time you launch them, but consecutive times, they're, they're quick. So, yeah. um, But we noticed, I remember when we were doing our Ubuntu 23.10 review, how fast the default Firefox snap started up. Remember, yeah. that oh, yeah. That used to be so slow. It used to take yeah, like, like 30 seconds.
2: <laughs> yeah, it used to take a long time. Now it takes like two or three. Yeah. Totally fine. Which is yeah. normal Plus for norm. a browser normal. to open. Depending yeah.
0: on what system, yeah, your system specs and things. Now, I don't want to say this is completely fixed. That's true, yeah. I, I would say that this is one where Canonical has taken the feedback and made tremendous strides in improving it. But because yeah. I don't use a ton of snaps myself, I don't want to make the claim that I think this is completely fixed, but of the I snaps mean, I use, it's definitely 100,000 times better,
2: and I think they've gone a long way to fixing this problem. To be, be fair, way. saying that something is ever fixed in software is probably not the best True. thing to say. You know, Fixed today, could be broken tomorrow. Exactly. No. So it, it's it, there has been drastic improvements, so we can definitely say so that. We
0: can mark this one as was fair, Maybe you Not want to check so them out anymore. lately
2: yeah. and okay. see what you're missing. All right. Forced, Reassess the situation.
0: Forced integration. Uh, people don't like the fact that Ubuntu is pushing this package system that they've made, what they consider kind of forcing it down their throats. Because, for instance, if you go to the store, you're going to be presented with just snap options for Firefox. But you're like, okay, I don't want a Snap version, so I'm going to go to the terminal, and I'm going to do sudo apt-get install uh, Firefox. And then it's automatically going to default to Snap now there too. And people don't like this idea that you're kind of forcing them to always utilize the Snap version of it, and that's the
2: critique. To be a little bit pedantic, now I understand why people don't like having to use a snap if they don't want it because it's slow or something like that. I get that part. But I've always had a problem with this statement. And I've seen this said on Reddit, on forums, on YouTube videos, and just uh, so many times where people are like, Ubuntu's forcing snaps and blah blah, blah, blah. No, they're not. If you go to apt and search for it, yes, it's going to suggest you the snap. But here's the thing you can do. Say no and don't install it. It's not a forcing you to install it because that would require you to have no choice whatsoever. There are choices. You might not like the choices. Now the choices are much better because Mozilla recently released their own dev packages, which they never did before. And why do they never do it before? Well, because Ubuntu did it for them. Why would they bother to do it then? So now... That's why it's happening. At least that's my opinion. But it does also, raise
0: the, the question, why, if snaps are perfectly fine, why did Firefox decide to make a dev version themselves?
2: Well, Firefox also made the Flatpak version too. And they also make the tar.gz, tarball stuff. So I, don't, I think they're more about giving options to choose from. And I think the only reason they're making a dev now is because, two. well, not only reason, two reasons. One is because... Some people don't want to use Firefox as a snap and like, okay, that's fine. But also because Ubuntu is not doing the work to provide the deb anymore, which is the whole reason why the snaps Mm -hmm. were made in the first place, because you can lower the amount of effort by making one package that can be run on multiple versions, at least multiple versions on the same distribution, which wasn't even true before that, much less being able to use it across different distributions. So The goal of having a snap is definitely a good goal. The mission is good. I like the fact that they put the effort into make this, but there are some critiques that are fair. I just don't like the fact that people claim that it's forcing because they're not forcing you to use it. It's just use a different term is all I'm saying. But I do think that the integration might be a little bit excessive in terms of the command line side. Maybe it should just say, Hey, we don't have a dev for that anymore. Would you like to use the snap? If it did that, that'd be different, I guess. Yeah, because it's a little bit tricky the way they yeah. throw it in there. Yeah. That part's it, a little that's part of yeah. fair critique. I just don't like the idea of people saying that it's a forced thing, you know?
0: Okay. That's that's fair. That's fair, Michael. But this reminds me of kind of the TTS discussion to go a little bit off the this direct critique thing for a moment. Would universal packages allow for the integration? of TTS solutions in every software package because you could just bundle it all together, right? In every software, like an eSpeak type solution and things like that for every dev. Technically,
2: it'd be possible for all three of the main ones to do it because the way they work, they they all can have stuff that's not specific to the package. Like for example, if you download a snap package or a flat pack, you're not necessarily getting everything in that same thing. So a lot of people would say that they're bundling every dependency because that's one of the complaints is about having so much space on your system and taking up so much space because it's doing everything. It's not actually doing everything. None of them do everything. So what they do is package what is necessary. And if there is a underlying thing they can use, like for example, Flatpak runtimes or the snaps Mm -hmm. version of the core snaps, when you have that as an option, then it makes it a lot easier. And in this case, I think more likely flat packs and snaps would be easier to do it because app images have some issues on their own. And flat packs can use runtimes and maybe you can make a TTS runtime or snaps can make a core snap for TTS and then you could pull it into all of them. So I think both of those could do it.
0: Interesting. Uh, We'll get to the space one in a second, but before that, proprietary backend. This is a critique that you hear a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And while you can technically... I, as I understand it, create your own snap backend for your business or personal use. It's not easy and everything essentially is centrally controlled by the most part by Ubuntu. And people have varying reasons for this bothering them. But one of them that I think is probably the most fair is, hey, what if something happened to Ubuntu? I mean, it could happen. Every How many companies have failed in the last four years? Like, There's a lot of companies that go under for whatever reason. If Ubuntu goes away, we have all this investment in this package system that's centrally controlled by one place. And
2: aren't we trying to get away from
0: that when we leave Windows and macOS
2: and all that type of... I mean, Windows doesn't have a centrally managed anything. Yeah, they have a
0: centrally managed software store that nobody uses because it installs
2: (laughs) fake packages. And and it's terrible. And everybody (laughs) still downloads MSI or EXE files. But... Um, I think this is a critique that is both fair and unfair at the same time. So, first of all, it's fair because it is proprietary. You don't like it. That makes sense. Okay. However, everything else about the format is open source. Like, the, the actual way it's built, the, the configurations, the, everything else is open source. So, the only thing is the proprietary backend for the Snapcraft store. But that doesn't mean the Snapcraft store is the only store that is possible. Now, it is the main store, and that makes sense why some people are annoyed by that. And if Ubuntu goes away, then they probably would just open source it because, you know, at that point, who cares? Because the company's gone. Uh, But I don't really (laughs) think that's a big issue. But I think that, that it's fair because it just feels better if it's open, but it's also unfair to the idea that a central store is a bad thing. A central mm-hmm. store of any universal format is necessity. Because here's here's an example. Uh, with the flat packs, we have mm-hmm. the flat hub and name another one. A uh,
0: flat bub. That's not real. <laughs> okay. Uh, Try again. I, I use
2: flat hub. Um, yes, F- flat hub is the one yeah, I use yeah. as that's well. That's the one I use too. Oh, that's the one I use. Yeah, Jill, do you use flat hub too?
1: Yep. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So
2: that makes sense because that's the only one that's really... But here's my counterpoint to you. Yeah. FlatHub is open source. It's the only store. So why can't Canonical do it? Well, it is true. that that, I mean, that's fair. But I would also say that it's possible that the open sourcing of their tool is not practical. Mm. They have to audit all the code and stuff like that. So just in a financial investment sort of thing, that might be why they don't do it. But... I also agree. It'd be better for them just to do it because it's easier to just plus it would get that, kill this you know,
0: stupid critique once and for all, and we could all move on with our lives. Like, I'm sick no. of hearing it, and I just think Ubuntu. I always hear them say like, "Oh, it's a financial decision. We don't want to take developers and spend the resources to open source." Like, you're an open source company. Come on, like I ain't buying it. I'm sorry. I love Ubuntu. A lot of the stuff they do, but this one, just make it open source and okay. move on. Can we just? can we just fix this and move on, please?
2: I agree, They're, but they have rewritten Snapcraft Store like five times now. Yeah. So yeah. at just open one point, they did open source it and people were yelling at them anyway. And then they rebuilt but it and they then didn't Then we can open come on it. shows like this and be like,
0: listen, it's open source, shut up. And it's done. That's
2: true. That's now be
0: great. I can't. I have to but- try to like... Figure out why Ubuntu wants to do it because well they want control of the central store but Flatpaks are open source and they have a central store and there's only one of them to your point so that the whole thing
2: falls mute and there's only one of them because it only makes sense to have one exactly and so nobody's going to go create their own unless you're app images and don't have one at all nobody's going to use it you know there's that anyways I I agree your point is you're right they should just open source it because I mean what are they going to lose I mean people are going to stop using snaps open
0: source company for God's
2: sakes. It's like, yeah. what? What are you doing? <laughs> it's not, well, in it, and some people, it's not going to change their mind no matter what. If they No, open it or but who not. cares about them? Yeah. Who cares yeah. about them?
1: Just give us doing. the opportunity yeah.
2: to say, hey, it's fine now. <laughs> give
0: us the opportunity to call them stupid. Please.
2: <laughs> Please.
1: I think one of the re- reasons also, and something we haven't touched on, is snaps were originally intended for server side. So they, That's not accurate. They, they wanted the control over that.
2: They do work good with servers, but I don't know
0: if that yeah. was your initial
2: intent. They weren't in, They weren't intended for either. Originally, snaps were created as click packages for the Ubuntu phone, and then they oh, were yeah, converted yeah, yeah, yeah. into snaps. And we have the—well, it's cool that they have— We're s- such nerds.
1: Server. Yeah. Uh, well, um,
2: <laughs> actually, Ryan, uh, it's, it's pronounced nerdays. <laughs> nerd nerdays. <laughs>
1: Let's uh, say they have an they had an emphasis on snaps, especially like on the Raspberry Pi where they're easily yeah. updatable. Oh yeah, Love um, I mean, servers. your point, oh, yeah. your point <laughs> really, is,
2: is very important to to in, to, to talk True. about the fact that they are server related. It's yeah. very important to point <laughs> that out. It's very I, I like that you brought that up because servers are not a factor on flat packs whatsoever. Yeah. Right? And they, they not they, they might not be the best solution for a server package. I don't know. It depends on what your perspective is and what you're trying to run. But the fact that you have that as an option is a clear indicator in separation between why Snaps and Flatbacks exist at the same time, because they have different purposes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Also, I do kind of want to mention kind of a little bit of the history of the, you know, sandboxing apps that a lot of that comes from uh, Mac OS. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they wanted to copy the app images and snaps and flat packs, wanted to kind of copy the ease of use of just, you know, double clicking on the application and launching it like they do in Mac OS. The DMG and that makes is very totally sense.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah I like DMG the fact is that awesome. those were made. Yeah. Because here's <laughs> the here's the funny part about it. Everybody was talking about like, why did Macs take off and Linux didn't when they're they're very similar. Mm-hmm. I think it's the DMG. Yeah, I, exactly.
1: F- I think that's why we have this competition yeah, right now with all these containerized.
2: Accessibility being
0: one of them.
1: Hello. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't always
2: accessible, but yes, it's, forced, that is true now too.
0: Uh, updates. Oh, so, we're moving on. Okay. Well, well, we've agreed that this is a problem. I think we all agree Canonical needs to fix this. Get rid of the proprietary backend. <laughs> Uh, I, I've even heard com- things from inside Kanaka where we're like, well, it's too complicated. People wouldn't understand. Stop. Just open source it. Anyways, we're done. And also, you don't even ha- no one has to use it right. for just, it to be open just source. Move, just, you know? just move on. Just make it open yeah. source. Come on. Anyways, forced updates. Uh, you could pause now. So I don't think this is a fair one because you can pause the update system that used to be that they would automatically update. Some people need the older versions of a software package.
2: They sure. can't, yeah. they're you not can turn ready. it off entirely now as well. Yeah. Yeah. You, you could pause it for a very long time, but it was like a certain amount of time you could pause it. Now it's indefinite. So, so this
0: one, I feel like not fair anymore. You can't really critique them. on That this. one was
2: quick. We were
0: done. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. space requirements. (laughs) Um, So, you know, I think in my mind that they're going to take up more space because they contain all the dependencies in there a little bit more. Uh, I don't worry about space because, you know, I don't have an older computer and space has been pretty cheap until recently when all the COVID crap happened and then space became expensive again. And then I started to think about space, but snaps were never enough to make me go, uh, oh man, I'm running out of space. I better get rid of some snaps. But for some people, that's Not the case, they have
2: Jill? older machines. I mean, and things. Yeah. you have a lot of uh, co- collected machines, do you have yeah. to deal with that sort of thing? Uh-uh. Yeah, okay, oh, not well. even Jill. Kind <laughs> Jill yeah. of different types <laughs> of options for it's yeah. not an issue either. So, I think that they may take up um,
0: as much space as Deb, maybe a little bit more because of the dependent pieces. I think there's some critiques about the amount of versions that snaps keep. Uh, I know of versions remove the is, older is,
2: versions, but... The amount of versions is a good one. Like, yeah. I don't know how many it is. I, I think it's three. It, some people are saying it's six. I, I don't remember. But that's an interesting thing because the whole idea is having a, another version to be able to roll back if something goes wrong. But I think that there's a, there's a thing that people are not considering on this space requirement argument hmm. because they always like to talk about how snaps and flat packs are just so huge when you download them. And when you download a deb, it's so much smaller. Well... <laughs> That's sort of true. However, here's one example where it doesn't matter. So if you download a snap, it's this particular size, and it's compressed. When you download a a deb file, or deb, for those who don't know what we're talking about, .deb, it's compressed and doesn't stay compressed. When you install it, it gets bigger, (laughs) at least double most of the time, sometimes more, depending on whatever is in it. Then... You have the issue with like most of the dependencies are in the snap itself, which means it's not going to get any bigger. It's also not being de- uncompressed and it's not going to get any bigger. It's already got all this stuff. Whereas a deb, that's not true. It's going to pull in dependencies and it's going to pull in dependencies of dependencies of dependencies because one application is going to have a bunch of other libraries and packages. And if you go through the process, which I have done a couple of times, just out of curiosity, even a calculator, If you bring in a calculator, there's gonna be at least five levels of dependencies where you have about 100 to 150 dependencies that you're pulling in. Now, most of these dependencies are pretty small, but the fact that there's so many and there's so many underneath each other that you're going to have to compare all of those dependencies uncompressed to the amount that the snap is because that's the only way to be fair about the actual size of the packages because the dev file you download that's not the, pa- the the amount of space being taken up by, on your system.
0: So I'm going to call this one um, not really relevant anymore, yeah. but...
2: Hmm. Also Canonical maybe not even could, accurate.
0: Canonical could yeah. put some more controls in place, maybe in a nice GUI, like Snap Package Manager GUI thing, that, that allow you to like, hey, I only want to keep one copy... Or the last version, or I don't want to keep any versions of a rollback for packages for people who are space constrained.
2: Don't like, give me backups; just do it. Yeah, them now. there
0: may be there may be some options there to make it better for it. I, I don't know. I don't really. This one never really made me go. Eh, I
2: hate you, Snap. She took up space. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't it think it's really like a problem in the first place. And I think that most of the time, people look at the literally just the size of the dev package they download. Don't even consider the fact that it's going to be uncompressed. Don't consider any dependencies, and then they look at the size of the snap and don't take into consideration that it's compressed and will not be decompressed. And then you have the same thing where you have the core snap where some of those dependencies are not duplicated. The core snap is actually providing the dependencies for all other snaps using it. And the same thing is true with Flatpak and the runtimes, for example. So I just feel like it's not really a big deal in terms of space because we have so much space now. But also, I don't think it's a big deal because people aren't really comparing the same thing. They're comparing apples and bananas. (laughs) <laughs> yes, yeah. which together combine a fantastic meal. A little fruit salad Aww. for you there. A fruit salad, yes. Yeah.
1: Well, Add you some know, kiwis. <laughs> we actually had a great interview with Mark Shuttleworth. Uh, oh boy, back in May uh, on Destination Linux number three twenty-two, mm-hmm. and you know we had talked to him about these issues, and he he talked about how he's focusing on improving snaps and their speed,
2: which and.
1: Happened. He, yeah. And he was very open and honest and understanding about the criticism. He he knew yeah. what the problems were, and he's trying to fix those. And it's obvious they, they are working on that. They are trying to fix all those little issues.
0: Criticisms are really important. Without criticism and open source, we would never fix accessibility, for instance. Like, we have mm-hmm. to criticize some of the yeah. stuff. I think people take criticism to the point of hatred sometimes, and that's where it gets silly, right? Because this is free software after all, and a lot of people are volunteering their time to make this available to everybody. So, um, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm never going to get on the side of uh, I hate snaps for any of these criticisms, even if they're all true. Um, I do enjoy snaps pretty much just for server application. If it's a flat pack, I'm going to go flat pack. That's just because... Uh, During the time where snaps were kind of being created, flat packs were to me just a better option. They were faster and things like that during that time. But if I come across a snap today, predate flat packs by the way, and it and it's available, I'm just going to install a snap because it just gets Mm -hmm. the software there. I just ended up utilizing and learning all the flat pack stuff because some of these critiques did exist
2: (laughs) in full back then, and I really didn't want to use snaps or anything. And the the speeds were at the time they were slow, and it was annoying. Mm -hmm, Exactly. So, so if I had a choice at that yeah. time, snaps versus flat pack, I would pick the flat pack. Flat pack. And now that it's not really a big deal. And I do use snaps. And I can say that uh, I'm not a huge fan of any of them to be like they're perfect or whatever. None of them are. But I do like the snaps and flat packs um, because what they're trying to do is solving a big fundamental problem that Mac solved many, many years ago. And But they're doing it in a way that, like, the way that Mac was able to solve it. And Apple solved it because they had one OS. They're not trying to make this work across different distributions and different all these things. Whereas Snaps and Flatpacks are trying to make it possible to use these on whatever distro you're using. And that's why it's a lot harder to do and you have to deal with a lot more, you know, running gears and stuff. So I love the fact that Canonical is putting in the effort to make this happen and i also love the fact that the flatpak team is putting in the effort to make this happen because mm-hmm. it's such mm-hmm. a critical thing for linux to become a mainstream it's already technically mainstream in so many ways but it's not on the desktop side and it's a fundamental thing because if someone goes like previously when i got into linux and arguably even around the time that ryan you got into linux it was it was a still a problem mm-hmm. not as bad as it was when i got in whereas we didn't re- like we barely even had package managers And uh, anyway, so Mm -hmm. I love the fact that they exist because not necessarily snaps themselves, but the universal formats entirely, because it's such a critical piece. Because if you go to a company and say, hey, we would like you to make a Linux thing. Uh, Don't worry. You only have to make 25 packages for 15 different things. No way. (laughs) It's not so hard or whatever. And then they go, "Uh, hey, thanks for the suggestion. Uh, Go away. This is now you can just make a snap or a flat pack and if you want to an app image. Although I I will go ahead and tell you I prefer the snaps versus and packs over app image and a lot of people were kind of be like well what? like they're all kind of the same and just really quick app images don't have an update mechanism and if you don't like the forced update of snap I get it but at least have an update system <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, there you have it. That's our take
0: <laughs> on the snaps and the update in 2024 of where we think snaps are, where they stand in there, and some of the critiques. So, you know, if you are somebody who heard these critiques, it's kept you away from snaps, maybe go check them out. If you're somebody who hates snaps, uh, continue your hate quest. I'm sure it's very successful for you. I
2: mean, don't hate, don't continue your hate quest. Um, Don't
0: continue your hate quest. I'm sure it's very successful for you.
2: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But but also, uh, just real quick, I do, if you want to continue to hate it, that's okay. You can continue to hate it. Just stop telling people about it. Shut your mouth, because it's, it's not helpful. Just shut your mouth, okay. If you have <laughs> a if mouth. you have a critique, great. If you, a criticism, great. If you just want to spread hate, then shut uh, your mouth. <laughs> yeah, you can, sh- you can stop. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, I'll I like you. how you're just like shut your mouth. <laughs> Nobody wants to hear it. Uh, but it's also because I feel like snaps are getting a lot of hate just because people don't like canonical. Yeah. You know. Of course, yeah. and and a lot of the reasons people give about not liking canonical are so made up nonsense. Like some or of it, old, or just really old, or some of it's old and they made a mistake at a time. You know, like it happens. But also, sometimes I've seen people like just make up stuff. Like for example, I saw recently someone said um, on Reddit, I forgot where, but it was like cinnamon was made because canonical ruined the desktop making Unity. I'm like what? They were made wow. at the same time because GNOME ruined the desktop. We all we all forgot about oh, that. You're hating. Yeah. You hate oh, no, no, no. Michael. This is no, no no. This is not hate. Okay. No right. one who's who was around at the time of GNOME three transition will tell you that GNOME three was good. Not even <laughs> the GNOME developers. When when you have an entire uh, blog post by T- Linus Torvalds talking about how much he hated it, we, we it's pretty much solid. Probably fair. It's fair. Yeah. It was a fair critique. There you go. Yes, This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by LinBid. LinBid has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and LinStore, industry-leading open-source software-defined storage. LinBit has an active presence in the open-source community, and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. LinBit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware, that you wanna use or just off-the-shelf hardware that you get and connect it. You, all of this stuff can be interchanged really easily. And with DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration, whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula. There's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. LinBit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in Europe and North America, which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind LinBit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more.
0: Maybe we don't need Linux at all because there's a company out there saying they've got something better. Three times better, in fact.
2: Three times better. What's going on here,
0: Ryan? Well, you know, we've got choices right now. Not a lot of them, unfortunately. We've got Android and iOS, and that's pretty much it. You've got some derivatives for privacy enthusiasts and people who want to modify Android base and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But for the most Mm -hmm. part, for the general community I'm talking about, there's two choices people will say. Hey, are you Android or are you iOS? Are you Blue Bubble or Green Bubble in your messages? You know, those are the Mm -hmm. choices.
1: Yeah, (laughs) It's
2: a, it's a very important thing. Ryan used to be a blue bubble and now he's a green bubble and I don't yeah. talk to him anymore. Yeah, we don't <laughs> talk to each other. We can't be As a be blue friend. bubble myself, we can't, I can't yeah. talk to him anymore. It's actually a rule by being an Apple iPhone user. Yeah. If you, By the way, uh, also for anybody who uh, bashes iPhone users uh, because you're an Android person, uh, stop it. And if you're an iPhone user and you're bashing Android people, stop it. Unless it's Ryan, then I'm going to do that because it's just funny. Your iPhone but, sucks. <laughs> what?
0: Your iPhone sucks and you're stupid for using one. I feel like we, we we've gone closer together as friends now yeah <laughs> every time I see your color text message come across I'm like whoa, whoa. you know what color, color is it oh, showing so to you actually I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't ever pay attention. <laughs> I honestly have. Nothing. He doesn't look at my messages <laughs> I can enough. Realize. That's what's funny. Like kids out there, like, oh, you got whatever. I don't even know what color is supposed to be what, but uh, and they're like Aww. critiquing each other, like, oh, you've got a blue bubble. Like, oh, <laughs> you man. know what's funny
2: is that I was started talking to somebody, I forgot, and stupid. they sent, they sent me a message, and then they did this whole thing where you know how like on um, iPhone you can like send a reaction, and it says like they like the thing, yeah. but if you're an Android person at the time, it yeah. said. This person liked this and it just requoted it and you and I was like, oh no, I'm a green bubble, huh? And they said, yeah, yeah, you are, <laughs> yeah, loser. <laughs> or
1: you could be like me, it's okay. Michael and Ryan and we use Signal and we're all the same color.
0: Yeah, yeah we're all, all the exactly. Same on Signal.
1: Well, I mean, we That's use basically funny.
2: everything. We've yeah, all we do. Tested we use everything. text,
1: Discord, <laughs> Signal. Yeah. So it's
2: it's kind of like we're we're just more open to the idea that it's okay to use whatever you want. And yeah. if you like a certain thing for whatever reason, that's great. Mm-hmm. Use it. Yeah.
0: All right. So there's a new option in town, though, that's going to make all of this irrelevant. Again,
2: uh, you were talking about this. Oh, that's what game. we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, Have you cause... noticed that we go on tangents a lot on this show? No, Ryan? not us. No. <laughs> uh, they're bragging about being better than
0: Linux. They didn't pick Windows or Mac OS out there. They said they're better than Linux. Lies.
1: Lies. Not no, you, I them. Know that. No. <laughs> the the
0: alternative comes from Huawei, and it's called Harmony OS. Mm. Now, Harmony OS, the Destination Harmony OS will be the new name of our show.
2: No, no, they have they have a kernel name that's just Harmony. I think so. We could call it Destination Harmony.
0: Ooh, mm-hmm. that's a good one. That's gonna be a good show. <laughs> I can't
2: wait. Or and we would say uh, instead of getting the show on the road, we could say and you can go your Huawei. To destination <laughs> yeah. harmony, I always
0: hey, go guys, to Huawei
2: when I'm
1: trying I to get prefer, somewhere. To
2: <laughs>
1: I, I would prefer destiny, uh, other than destination Huawei or destination harmony. Uh, I would prefer destination minix.
0: <laughs> minix,
1: I, I think Torvalds would be happy with that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: All right, so they're officially calling this. I mean, though. <laughs> yeah. This is officially called Harmony OS Next. And it's not only claiming their kernel is three times, not two times, oh. not one time, not zero time, but three times. Why would you shut up, times thre- More efficient time?
2: than Linux. It's equal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that it's also, it's also fully independent, which means mm-hmm. you're not utilizing any portions of any other OS, and okay. includes a full stack AI framework.
2: Okay, first of all, fully independent. Okay, that's cool. It it makes sense that you would have to because you got kicked out of things. But more importantly, uh, full stack AI framework. What's that mean? All right, well, I could tell you what it means. You would have to know first? I do know what it means. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead.
0: All right, so when they say full stack AI, what they mean is every component within their phone has AI elements baked into it. So the full stack is to say everything in the device is fully compatible mm-hmm. or has AI technology integrated inside of it.
2: That's, but they talk about a framework, not mm-hmm. it's a full-stack mm-hmm. framework. Oh, not- it's a buzz thing. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You were correct. It's <laughs> yeah. completely buzz bullcrap, but that's, yeah. the,
0: that's the whole
2: thing. Okay, I got you. Okay, so yeah. let's go, let's get back to the main thing yeah. about the more efficient part.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk about Huawei because they're a Chinese-based technology company. If you've never heard of them before, it's spelled H U A W E I, and they actually Which were of really course popular. Is
2: Huawei, you know. Duh. Yeah,
0: of course. Uh <gasps> they actually were really popular in the US for a while. Their phones were really popular and mm-hmm. they had laptops and other things as well. The People tablets. were buying them like crazy. I um, had a Huawei phone actually. Yeah. And yeah. then they got banned in this country and other countries because of alleged alleged spying that was occurring uh from this company. Of course, they Do they deny this ever happened, but whatever
2: all companies would (laughs) they
0: they have banned it? So, um, and in addition, um, you know, they got banned from the app store for Google as well. So, really, Huawei had no other option here but to kind of create their own thing. But hey, they created their own thing and it's three times, not zero times, three times
2: faster and more efficient than the Linux. So, Ryan, did you check out the benchmarks they shared to prove the? three times more there was none okay did you check out the um detail about what they meant like more efficient at what exactly Uh, they didn't detail it all right they didn't say anything Uh, okay so they're not even out yet and you can't even beta test oh right right okay so uh Uh, nonsense got it (laughs) uh it is interesting though don't you
0: think that they go after linux and not like ios or anybody else in here any other operating system? Like why just Linux? I think it's because yeah. if you
2: made a claim about being better than Android, Google would be like, okay, bring it on. And if you made a claim about Mac OS or iOS, Apple would be like, okay, let's bring it on. And then with Linux, who's gonna make that claim? Us. Like there's no Bring it well, on. Bring it on, people. Yeah. We will we prove Jill you here. wrong based <laughs> on whatever yeah, yeah. we especially, Joe.
1: Oh well, I know who um Huawei actually uses obviously Linux on the back end and they have developed their own OS for their back end. So for yeah. them, this is exciting because th- they claim they're going to make it faster. Yeah.
2: Well, right. Here's, thing- the, here's the thing I think is <laughs> the best part about this okay. is that they're making it more, they're saying it's more efficient by three mm-hmm. times based on absolutely nothing. There's no, like, like Ryan said, there's no benchmarks. There's no nothing. And they're not telling you about what it's more efficient at or whatever. But then I'm thinking, well, okay, you're making your own kernel. For your own OS, for your own hardware, if it's not more efficient for your own stuff, you've made a big blunder there. So Mm -hmm. it should be, and if it isn't, that would be sad. Yeah, but here's here's also the other thing: the Linux kernel does more than just run your hardware. So it runs all sorts of hardware: laptops, desktops, phones, servers, the International Space Station, rover. Is is mm-hmm. Harmony Kernel going to be on the space station? No? Okay, then who cares how efficient it is for you? Um, okay, I'm kind of going <laughs> to a tangent well, right now.
0: they're not done, Michael. They also said it's more secure and, of course, has its own AI stack. And I thought that the timing was amazing because Samsung's S24 just came out. And what was one of the big things they talked about with the S24? What's one of the big changes that you've not really seen announced with a phone before that's come out, and that is their AI capability, AI. their AI. And so, but like, them saying, well, say, we have a full stack AI. When Did S20 Samsung
2: ports. say what they mean by AI stuff?
0: Well, yes. They actually showed the AI stuff. They showed oh, crazy. the applications wow, you being utilized. Yeah, um, all that stuff. Now, Huawei is no small company. They once owned nearly 20% of the phone market, and they were the second largest handset maker there for a while. They lost all of that with the bans and, you know, they lost a, a lot of attention, of course, in that many sense, markets, yeah. but they still have a lot of resources and power. And as far as their claims, well, Michael, we're going to have to see sometime in Q4 of 2024.
2: Uh, I love how we'll be specific able to check they, check they are with that. Yeah. yeah, mm. uh, It's That's great.
0: Currently in the developer preview stage. So the the actual... Stable rollout is for sometime in Q4 2024.
2: So it's well, going to be actually, w- did they claim it as a stable rollout or just available? Stable at some rollout point? scheduled for sometime. Oh, okay. In Q4. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: So we'll see. Okay. I mean, it'd be cool if they can. I
2: mean, we'll never get to use it because it's banned, but it'll be cool. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we, we won't, we won't, someone will be able to test it and let us know. Maybe someone will give us benchmarks. Yeah. It'll be like, it, it was.
0: Is. It was two point, actually, they lied. It was 2.98 times more efficient than Linux kernel.
2: Yeah, What's that would be hilarious thing? if they just rounded up. But also, I'm I'm very curious. Like, I if they have their own kernel, their own OS on their own hardware, and it isn't more efficient, I, I just I can't wait for that to happen so I can just laugh hysterically.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> That'll be the whole episode. Michael just laugh, just me laughing <laughs> the whole time. What do you think, Jill?
1: Well. I- I was, you know, when I was <laughs> reading that article, I was just thinking the whole time the average consumer doesn't interact with or not- even notice the kernel on phones. Losers. <laughs> all they care about is the top layer app framework and will have for- all the apps they need. No
2: judgment, right, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> judgment. <laughs> You're right, though, Joe. Most You're people right, though, don't yeah.
0: care about any of that type of stuff. They just want an interface that
2: works and I mean, yeah. get to their apps. Yeah. Even, even people who are technical don't care most of the time. Yeah. You know?
1: Mm-hmm. Losers.
2: Personally, uh, I don't care that much. Loser. You know? Ryan doesn't care that much. What a loser.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. And and Jill, are you going to be, if they unban it and this OS comes out, are you going to be checking it out?
1: Yeah, absolutely I will.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, Hawaii
1: actually makes good hardware. so They did make really good hardware. In fact,
0: I had one of their laptops. This was back when
1: uh,
0: Apple was, was the only one that had the unibody aluminum frame. And Huawei came out with a laptop. They were selling at Walmart with incredible specs and was 2K monitor, by the way. And was like $600 for like top of the line. And it was beautiful. But then I had it and I was testing it. I don't know if I did a video on it or I was going to do a video on it. And mm. all of these things coming out about them spying on everything came out. And I'm like, yeah, they've gone by and that, <laughs> with that laptop. But it was sweet. The unibody was beautiful. It was absolutely a complete replica of a Mac
2: uh, book at the time. Yeah. But yeah, did a good job. I mean, I got I had one of their phones. So it was a pretty good phone. Like, yeah. yeah. It wasn't that expensive, so
1: I had one of their tablets. So we've covered the whole game. <laughs> yeah, we've
2: all had together I mean, their hardware is actually pretty good. Yeah, I was them that.
1: yeah. yeah. So I don't know if they did the spy
2: thing or not, but that I don't want to risk that. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I don't trust any government, but oh, but also it's going to be like I wonder if they're going to open source their kernel or if they're going to have like everything proprietary. So you're just going to be like full full stack trust. That's <laughs> It's just my government's
0: so untrustworthy that if they don't trust somebody, it's got to be really bad. That's all I'm saying. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How does the most untrustworthy government not trust this government? Oh my God. It must be super duper untrustworthy.
2: Uh, I don't know. Anyway, let's get into our software spot. It's just our opinion, people. Yeah. Jill? <laughs> oh, what do we
1: got we to do our game first.
2: So we're going to go into the gaming section and. Unfortunately, I'm not really familiars with this. Could you tell us what this is, Jill?
1: <laughs> yes, Michael. Very good, mm-hmm. Dad Joe. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. So the game this week is familiars.io. Michael. Yes, Michael oh. is right. It has familiars in the name. This is a free-to-play compact monster catching fest in an online MMORPG multiplayer world. You get to catch them all Pokemon fans will feel just right at home <laughs> with this game. And did we mention it's nice. awesome. <laughs> Wait, say, free to play, too? That's always awesome. Pokemon is not free to play.
2: Did you say Pokemon or Pokemon?
1: Pokemon.
2: She okay. said man, but I like Pokemon oh, better. Oh,
1: I'm, I'm sorry. I meant Pokemon. Well, I,
2: meant- I mean, I, there was this, uh, I saw this thing a long time ago where people got really mad about saying Pokemon <laughs> wrong.
1: And it just, okay. it
2: was like I just wanted to like make sure that everybody knows, like, uh, who cares? Do you imagine yeah. do you imagine oh. like caring
0: about somebody who's in a pokey man,
2: yeah <laughs> poke is like whatever threatening well, you, the
0: threatening you' like
1: i'm gonna is- get
2: you for saying that, like oh, cute, the, f-
1: the funny thing is I have um. Asian friends who actually say Pokemon, so oh. I'd always <laughs> said Pokemon, and they were teasing me for saying Pokemon. I don't know if it was yeah, an in joke or not. It right. might well, have been.
2: To stay on the same subject, really quick, I just want to do like a sort of a side note. You said <laughs> you said that thing wrong about the the type of multiplayer thing. You said it wrong. It's not multiplayer o- multiplayer online RPG. It's not that. It's. M-
1: Oh right. uh, Yeah, MMO. Michael. Michael,
2: Some things are better kept in your head, Michael.
1: Yes. Go on,
2: Jill. No, I disagree. So, that was fantastic. Yeah. The game. Let me know people, in the comments how much you like MMO. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the game on Steam actually describes itself like this. Gather familiars and do turn-based battles in this atmospheric little MMO quickly max out your familiars and conquer challenging dungeons mm. battle other players or just press the howdy button to greet them
2: hey, and for hey, those
1: yeah. of you who don't <laughs> howdy <laughs> for those of you that don't know familiars are actually supernatural entities mm. and their spirits are common among cats, rats, dogs, ferrets, frogs, toads, and hares and many of which can be your main character in this whimsical game so, yeah, um, that's... Is,
2: is that actually a term?
1: Yeah. Is familiar is really a, a
2: term? Yes. Mm-hmm. You don't yeah. have a familiar yeah. rabbit buddy? I'm not familiar <laughs> with that, no. No,
1: you need, yeah. to, you need to get... And that was one of the your, reasons I wanted animal. to point that out, because a lot of people don't realize that that is a, a term specifically used for a supernatural entity.
0: Oh, I know why, because your spirit animal is a potato, Michael.
2: <laughs> uh Just real quick... Um, Potatoes are not animals. Oh.
1: That's why
0: you don't have one, because
2: you're a spirit I mean, animal. It would be a spirit vegetable, maybe.
1: And Michael, actually, you learned a lot about familiars in the Harry Potter series when you yeah, watched the movie. He's a
2: huge Harry Potter fan. <laughs> did they say the term familiar in the movie?
1: Yeah. I don't know.
2: I did start watching that movie that, that <laughs> franchise. Uh it's it's pretty good. Yeah. It took me 10, 15 years to watch it. His <laughs> girlfriend made him watch it.
1: Yeah. My girlfriend did
2: make me watch it. And Give you can quote. and 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 also I will not participate in that part. And just to be clear, the people who are in the audio only version and not watching the video, uh, Ryan is currently doing air quotes as saying yeah. that Girlfriend. <laughs> and the entire time I've been talking.
1: Oh. <laughs> <Aww. laughs>
2: she exists. She is not a familiar. <laughs>
1: she, oh, yes. And she's awesome. <laughs> Uh, and so the familiars.io graphics and soundtrack honestly are a beautiful love letter to 8-bit gaming yeah it's it's really a lot of fun it's just it's it's an 8-bit game in a dungeon type scenario it's it's really cool and so you can grab this fun game over on steam once again for free And it is just comes in just under 10 megabytes. Good
0: gosh, that's huge. What is it, a snap?
1: Megabytes. Oh. And it supports our Linux penguins out of the box.
0: Nice. It's awesome. And for our (laughs) software spotlight, Jill?
1: Yeah. So, did you know, Michael and Ryan, that when you take pictures, they contain all kinds of data that can be used to identify you?
0: I did.
2: (laughs)
1: Yes. <laughs> and so,
0: I have
2: wiped those I bet out. There's a lot of people. Yes. <laughs> I bet there's
0: a lot of people who don't know that. I
1: bet yeah, a I, lot of yeah. people don't actually. Significant
2: so, more people. Significant portion of society.
1: <laughs> so stored in the pictures you take on your phone and put on your computer, or download online is what we call metadata. This metadata can include information like equipment type, location the picture was taken, time and date stamps, and much more. There is a tool you can use to clean your photos of metadata called Metadata Cleaner.
2: Oh, really? That's a super specific, unique name to it.
1: It's a perfect cleaner of (laughs) metadata. Yes. So, Metadata Cleaner is a simple to use tool that's available as a wonderful flat pack that lets you strip your photos and documents of metadata. So, go check it out. It really is so easy to use. Just I really like the fact, fact that click. it's
2: a uh, flat pack as well, you know, making it yeah. easy to just clear uh, a universal
0: package. We just learned about those, Michael. Yes. How relevant <laughs> is this show?
2: <laughs> what are the odds that that happened? You know,
0: I wonder if we could wrap it all up with the relevant tip and trick of the week.
2: Yes, maybe we can. Let's see. So if you want to give snaps a try, Hey, look at that, but are not on the Ubuntu based distribution. Uh you can still use snaps because they are made to be worked working on across distros. They're even working on improving the support on more distros so even more distros can use it. So snaps are being created by canonical, but like I said, you can do those any basically any distro. Not everything, but because Both. some distros don't want them. Most of the but main you know, ones. most of the main ones, yes. So as an example, Fedora, you just type in sudo DNF install snapd. With Arch, you just install what it the via an, the A U R. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you can do also do it in OpenSUSE and many, many more. You may need to inst, uh, set up the uh, systemctl command for uh, having it run as you install it. Uh, so if you're using a system that has systemd. Uh, but it's definitely going to be worth trying it out, especially if there are some applications in the Snap store that are not in the Flatpak store, because that does happen. So uh, be sure to check it out and uh, let us know if you're using Snaps on your system. And also, if you're not using an Ubuntu-based system, what disk you're using on.
0: There you go. Mm-hmm. And we have some exciting news for you all. In just a snap, on March 14th just through the 7th, wow. we're going to be at scale. And scale. And he says in-
2: I do bad dad jokes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and scale uh-huh. 2024 is scheduled for March 14th through the 17th at the Pasadena Convention Center in. Pasadena Pasadena, California California. there you go that's where it's gonna be and this is where you can come hang out with the entire DL crew if you want to find us look for the lady wearing the penguin hat because that's (laughs) where we'll all be Uh, plus all kinds of amazing uh, vendors presenters and Linux enthusiasts to have conversations with all around really cool place to come and hang out and also you know I know a lot of people were being impacted in the job market right now and that really sucks but this is a great place to network. So oh yeah, absolutely. if you want to come network there, give your resume out to some of the companies that have booths there or get in conversations with people, you may be able to land yourself a job. In fact, one of us actually landed one of our positions yeah. going to scale. That's I did, in fact, do that. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So there you go. Yeah. Well, a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. You can come join us on our Discord by going to tuxdigital.com slash Discord and engage in the many conversations that we have going there. We talk about everything, not just Linux and open source. I mean, that's a lot of it, but we've got fitness and movies, movies and gaming. And music. And
2: mm-hmm. Everything memes is
0: there. And, <laughs> memes and GIFs and GIFs. And,
2: and versus, GIF versus GIF.
0: Yeah. Arguments yeah. <laughs> about that. Wonderful.
2: Yeah. Also, we have MMORPGs and memor versus mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. That's there too. And if you want to do this, you can go to, to TuckSigil.com slash Discord. But also, you can check out the patron section of our mm. Discord server by going to TuckSigil.com slash membership and becoming a patron. And you can you can do that. You can also get extra perks. We have a ton of cool perks. You can watch us live as we do the show. Ooh. And you can join us in the uh, patron post show that happens every week after the show and talk about memorp uh, and, uh, <laughs> and gifs and gifs. And all sorts of stuff, like because there's so many things to talk about after the show. In fact, last week, we talked about movies and things because we had that little segment about horror movies, and then that followed into the patron post yeah, show. Yeah. 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 So that was fun. So be sure to go to tuxedigital.com slash membership so you can join us. We record every Thursday at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. And if you're in Europe, uh, the the, time's, the time then is... uh Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, but <laughs> if you'd like to become a, a member, you can do tuxdigital.com slash membership. But if those parks aren't necessarily a thing, but you still want to support the show and the network, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash store. And I heard it from a very good source. There's a new store coming <gasps> very soon. <laughs> and that source is me. So it's, I, I yeah, it's coming soon. Uh, there's <laughs> t-shirts, hoodies, <laughs> mugs, stickers, and so much more at tuxdigital.com slash store.
1: And make sure to check out all the incredible shows here on Tech Digital. That's right. We have an entire network of awesome shows to fill your entire week with geeky goodness. Check out Linux Out Loud with Matt, Nate, and Wendy having a blast and sharing their awesome passion for Linux and open source. And everyone, head to textdigital.com and subscribe to all these incredible shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching in the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce.
0: Everybody, have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination.
2: Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week Bye for everyone. another have destination See ya! <laughs> Huawei. Going the Huawei. <laughs> <laughs> going the that, Huawei. That was, <laughs> wow. I had never thought heart thought of Huawei being wrong way until you said it. <laughs> yeah. it, it was perfect. I'm perfect. always going the wrong way. So it makes Yeah, sense. you're always going the Huawei. <laughs> I'm always lost.